So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. So for today's episode, this is actually going to just be me. Uh, And what we've been learning about this week has been leadership. And uh, leadership is always something that I uh, I have mixed feelings about because on the one hand, leadership, I would say, is the most important part of success for a company. Any company that is going to grow from, you know, an idea to something that has, uh, you know, to something that produces an exceptional results is going to require uh, top-notch leadership. With that said, leadership is also probably the area where there is the most BS floating around throughout the environment. And I think the reason is because that, because since there's not a since there's not a formula for leadership, there's not a A plus B plus C plus D uh, you know, formula to, uh, to be successful as a leader, uh, what essentially happens is pretty much anybody who has been somewhere while something good happened uh, has a claim that they are a successful leader, and many of them publish books. However, uh, you know, and in a lot of cases, they were successful leaders. It was their leadership that really drove things, uh, that really drove things to the next level. Uh, but in some cases, it wasn't necessarily because of them, or in some cases, it was just because of luck. Or in a lot of cases, what will happen is the type of leadership that was successful at one time period uh, won't be successful in the current era because you know there there are certain types of leadership and certain types of company structures that have a shelf life that need to evolve, and so I think that's actually kind of one of the things at least that I'm thinking about right now in terms of leadership is the need to evolve. Um, and so the yeah you know, like for example, uh, so you know I spent much of my early career at Intel, and Intel Corporation had a you know uh, was you know, of course very large over a hundred thousand headcount, uh, and it had a you know it it adopted the General Electric model of you know of management rating and ranking. And for people who aren't uh, aren't familiar with with this, the way that it works is uh, Jack Welch in the late late nineteen eighties, principally in the nineteen nineties. Uh, led a big turnaround in General Electric, and a lot of how that was based was in was essentially in uh, you know in rating, ranking, uh, grooming, and elevating leaders. You know there were a number of people who came out of General Electric, like Larry Bossidy, uh, you know who went on to be uh, you know to be very successful executives. Uh, and so the idea is that. Um, you know, is that when you have a, say, a group of people in a team or a group of leaders, managers, senior managers, et cetera, that they are rated and ranked against one another. Because what you want to do is you want to figure out who are your top performers, who are your middle, and then who are your poor performers, with the idea being that your top performers get moved up and your poor performers either get put on a corrective action plan or they get moved out. Uh, and so I think, you know, in, in certain contexts, this works really, really well. I think the, the boundary condition for a, a philosophy like that to really be effective is that there, you know, it has to be a situation where, um, where you're in businesses that a lot of headcount is truly necessary. 
And I think this is where the this is where the turn point has come from, say, the 1990s to the current era, which is that many businesses uh, that, you know, kind of are artifacts of that era are still carrying a lot of headcount that truthfully, they could probably replace with technology, automation, standardization, etc. Um, and because you know the, the the problem that General Electric was uh, was addressing is the problem that there were a whole lot of people running around and you didn't really know who the top performers were and there wasn't a systematic way to uh, you know, to to elevate the higher the higher performers the people who were really legitimately outstanding to greater and greater levels of responsibility so that they can lead the company to the next level, uh, and that was the problem that Jack Welch figured out how to fix. And the the General Electric method worked very very well for GE and companies like it in its era. I think the situation that you're running into now is that. The, uh, the number of companies have tried to mimic that, uh, you know, that philosophy, and it has resulted in a very large layer of middle management at a lot of companies that in some cases has started to make them uncompetitive. And the reason for this is because, uh, because you know, in order to have a career path, generally speaking, what happens is you'll start as an individual contributor, and then you know, you may, there may be a couple of layers you can move up there, and then you'll become a manager. And then you might become a second level manager or a director, and then you might become a senior director, and then maybe a vice president, and then maybe an executive vice president, and then maybe a corporate vice president, and then you might be in one of the C-level roles. Well, what this does is this creates a very large population of management whose principal responsibility is to either oversee other managers or uh, you know, or oversee people. And, you know, of course, this adds a lot of cost to the, uh, to, to the company's, uh, to the company's cost structure. Um, and, but the problem is that, you know, unless, though, unless your processes and people are, you know, are very finely tuned, it, you may not get commensurate value for the cost that you're adding to the structure, uh, particularly because the problem that can, uh, that unfolds in a lot of companies is where these people who are in these management layers, what they will end up doing is they'll end up spending a lot of, a lot of time essentially, um, you know, basically, you know, essentially trying to either pitch their team, pitch their own accomplishments, essentially working the internal managerial politics. And, you know, this type of thing is inevitable whenever you have larger, larger companies. You know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, now I, I fought, I spent a lot of my own career fighting against that just because, again, I am a value obsessed leader that is you know that that's who this show is for that is how you know that 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 that's the mindset that i take into everything i do that kind of thing drove me nuts however if you are in that position right if you are leading a team within a company in order to do the best for your team you have to play the managerial politics you know it's you know it, it is the game that people are in and in order to be successful they have to play it um, and that's not necessarily any kind of dig on the, on the people who are in that type of situation. They, you know, they are, uh, they are responding to the incentives that are present where they are. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to think of, especially as a leader, is that the incentives you put in place by what you measure, what you do, et cetera, will influence people's behavior. Um, you know, and so like, for example, you know, you know uh, I would say, you know, if, if you incentivize people uh, for uh, say, you know, to make sure that uh, you know that emails from customers are responded to in say an hour or less. 
what you will get is you will get a lot of people who are very closely monitoring their email and who are, you know, and, and in, you know, they're very, very, very closely monitoring email to be able to hit their service level agreement. At the same time, they may be ignoring other things that are actually more important to the company's strategic priorities. And that's the thing that you really have to think about as a leader is what are the things that I'm measuring? What are the things that I'm rewarding? And are those the right things? You know, because you cannot prioritize everything. You have to make hard decisions. You have to make trade-offs. Um, and I think that you know, the way that I view the leadership transition in you know, from say the 1990s general electric paradigm to the current era is that um, I think that there, you know, the question is not necessarily, or the problem to solve is not necessarily so much of how do you make sure that you identify who the high performers are within your cohort of people. The question is more going to be how do you know how do you make sure that you are um, that you are getting the highest and best use of your people's time, and that you are automating and or outsourcing the things that are not the highest and best use of your internal people's effort. Uh, and that's that, that's frankly a different type of problem to solve. And you know, particularly because you know, so workforce mobility is much higher than it has been in the past. There are many people who will switch companies and switch careers multiple times throughout their life. Um, and in this type of situation, uh, right, you know, the a paradigm that's built around the assumption that people are going to spend you know multiple decades ascending the the career ladder within a single company are probably outdated. Uh, and so I think what needs to happen is that the leadership concept needs to really update so that it you know so that it's inclusive of this you know of the way that the world currently operates. Uh, now again just speaking for myself, one thing that I think would be really interesting to see would be that would be instead of the assumption that a job that someone goes into is indefinite, you know, or is permanent, what if there were a so what, what if there were a vesting period of I don't know something like two to three years, whereby at that point their stock shares would be vested if that's applicable, there would be some kind of bonus payout, there would be some or you know and or there would be a certain amount of time of paid vacation, and then if people wanted to, they could reapply for that same job, you know, and it could be externally posted, or they could apply for another job with more responsibility, uh, because one of the things that I saw that in my corporate career that can be a source of difficulty is that you can have people who are essentially in the same job for years to decades. And as time goes by through the annual performance review process, they eventually get paid progressively more and more and more and more for doing the exact same work. Um, and generally speaking, the, the right model to, uh, you know, to advance people is, to, is for them to you know, continue taking on more responsibility. Um, and so I think that if you put, you know, if you put a structure in place whereby, you know, every, you know, every two to three years or so after people have had a chance to realize success in their, uh, in their current role to really get, you know, to really, uh, you know, to really learn if they can move on to, uh, to, uh, you know, to ascend to something that has more responsibility that would justify greater compensation, you know, alternatively, if some, you know, if somebody is in a position where they have, um, 
you know, where they're very interested in staying in the same role, what you would want to do is you would want to test to make sure that the people who are in that role are still competitive uh, against others who are in the marketplace. And because I think that this type of paradigm actually, um, it addresses another, uh, another sticky situation in a lot of companies, which is that uh, it's really difficult to move out uh, poor performers in a number of uh, corporate environments, just because the amount of managerial hoops you have to jump through can be very extensive. And so, you know, by having a natural expiration period on your jobs, one of the things that that could let you do is it can give you an avenue to, uh, you know, to move people along who are not the right fit for your company. Uh, because this is another thing to remember too, is that just because somebody is not the right fit for a certain job or a certain company doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a valuable person or that they couldn't be exceptionally valuable somewhere else. I think this is a, you know, a very common sports analogy is where you can have some, a player that gets cut by one team and then can go to another team and help them become champions. Well, that person didn't miraculously get better. What happened was they went to a place where they were a better fit for the rest of the team. And that's one of the things that you're ultimately looking for when you are leading people is to find people who are the right fit for what you need. And in a lot of cases, those will be people who, uh, you know, the, who you know, had, had been someplace else and were not the right fit there. Uh, so anyway, those are this week's thoughts for leadership. Uh, next week, what we are going to be doing is we are going to be focusing on marketing, uh, specifically marketing and branding, and how you tell a story for your product, brand, and company. Uh, because I think you know this is another really important part of running a business. Uh, because of course, you know, leading people is of course uh, exceptionally important. But you have to sell products or services in order to have a business. Otherwise, you will uh, you will go bankrupt very rapidly. So anyway, I really appreciate uh, you listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Light, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.